It's good to see you guys, man. What a great morning. Glad you're here. I'm always, gl- always glad to see you guys. So uh, last time, uh, I got through about one-fourth of my, my uh, stuff that I was going to talk about. One of the things uh, that I got through a lot of was uh, spanking. <laughs> I felt sorry for your children. Uh, one, <laughs> one mom came back saying, oh, man, my husband came home and sat the family down and told them uh, well, there's a new, new marshal in town. <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool. But, uh, but I, I didn't get into the, uh, the, the teenage years uh, much, and uh, I do have some stuff that we want to kind of talk about that. I got a lot to do today, so let's get to it. Um, why don't you go to Ephesians chapter 6, and let's uh, review... Uh, the scripture that kind of was our springboard, because um, really this is one of my favorite uh, scriptures and reminders in the Bible of what we as fathers are called to do. Ephesians chapter 6, it's kind of a family section here. You know, it's, it's been said of, uh, you know, the teenage years, um, it was Mark Twain who kind of always cracks me up. He said, when a child becomes a teenager, you should put him in a barrel and feed him through a hole in the lid. When they turn 16, Twain said, then plug the hole. <laughs> wow. They must have had problems with rebellious teens back 100 years ago. But, um, but you know, the teenage years can be uh, also amazing and awesome years. I, I met with a bunch of our teenage boys uh, the other night, uh, and uh, we just had a great time. We have some solid young dudes raised, being raised up in our church. And I, I really uh, would like to say, man, Ethan Creek's really done a great job. But truthfully, it's, it's the mothers and fathers who are raising those young men in the ways of the Lord. And it's just so obvious. You can see the parenting that's been going on. And, um, and raising children, that, that's kind of an interesting question. Who raises our kids? We'll talk about that a little bit. But raising your children is part of this theme here in, in uh, Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So provoking your children to wrath. You know, by the way, we didn't really talk much about that. How do you provoke your children to wrath? I think you can do that by showing favoritism, you know, by, uh, you know, telling, uh, you know, one of your kids, uh, if you can only be like your brother, you know, or, or stuff like that, uh, you know, treating one child better or, you know, reminding the other one how, how much worse they are than the others, that favoritism will bring children into an angry position. I think neglect is another thing. When we're too busy for our kids, um, that's another thing that provokes wrath from our kids. Um, some of you might say, well, if they have wrath, then you give them a spanking uh, if they're full of wrath. Well, the Bible doesn't give us that here. It says if they're, if they're angry for cause is the idea. And another one <clears throat> might be that you don't really, um, you only have negativity and you don't really give them, um, you know, some strong, good words of encouragement. Um, <clears throat> I think that's one of the, one of probably my troubles is, as not only a, a father, but as a as an employer, I always feel like, man, I wish I could do better at just giving people compliments because I feel it in my heart. I'm always so proud of everybody in my in, on my staff and and our leadership team, and I'm always in my heart just going, man, I just feel so blessed. But somehow I'm just not the guy that's very good at telling people that. Um, and I think even with my kids, I wish if I could rewind and go back, I would have probably spent less time trying to, uh, you know, be hardcore and say, man, you got to watch out for this and don't do that. And you got to watch that attitude. Like the, the, 
rather than just giving the nose, uh, giving some of those more affirmation things. And because of that, that's why Joey's so messed up because I didn't, um, get, no, I'm just kidding. No, Joey's a good, good man. And uh, uh, I'm proud of Joey. And, and my girls, you know, all my kids, I, I'm thankful for them. And, but that's the thing, if I could probably go back and do something better, that'd be probably one of the big ones. Uh, just more, more compliments and encouraging the things that are good, approving that which is excellent. Um, that's one of the things, I think you can provoke your kids to sort of an anger by various things. And that's something you have to kind of be cognizant of as a father, um, raising your kids, making sure that, um, that you're bringing them up. It says here, bring them up uh, in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We talked about nurture last time uh, and what discipline uh, looks like. And, and even for the little guys, you know, what spanking is all about. Now, with the teenage years, one of the things, um, go with me to Proverbs 22 real, real quick. Um, I know that this is one of the passages we use to console ourselves um, when our kids, teenagers, are rebellious um, in the later years. And you just hope that maybe this verse applies. It's Proverbs 22, verse 6. And there it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so we cling to that verse if our kids are rebellious. And, and I think you can apply that scripture that way, and I have applied that scripture that way to try to encourage parents and what have you, but I'm not sure that's the main idea. What's the main idea? Well, the main idea is train up a child in the way that he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. The, the idea is, well, there's a single word, and I really want you to grab this one, it's momentum, momentum. Um, as, a, as a parent, as a father, as a, uh, one who's raising kids, momentum is your friend. Uh, remember you did the studies on momentum when you were in high school or, or junior high and all those, you know, momentum's a big deal. Um, you know, you can run through a wall if you have enough momentum, <laughs> you know, but if you just stand there and try to push through a wall, it's not gonna happen. Um, I, I would say the teenage years, that's the wall. And uh, you got to get a running start on that one. And you start when they're uh, first born, you know, like, you know, when they're little tiny children, you start teaching and training them in the way of the Lord so that when they're old, they'll just have that momentum is the idea uh, of knowing what's right. Um, you know, we, we, we see this, this idea, train up a child in the way he should go. We, we read in Ephesians just now, bringing up our children. The natural... Uh, um, you know, process is your kids will be brought down. Do you understand that? That's the world we live in. Your world would bring down your children. That's why you and I, we're called as men to bring up our, our families, bring them up, train them up. Um, who's bringing up our children today? Man, more than any other culture or people group. We've got uh, so much uh, influence. Uh, it's over the top crazy when you really think about it. If you compare, for example, to the early church, who, were, who, were, who would be the ones bringing up their children. Um, well, they, did they have a public school system? No. Um, the parents would bring them up in education. The, you know, the church would oftentimes, in the early church, it would be the church who would spend time bringing up the children, training them, teaching them. Um, but who raises our kids? Boy, fill in the blank. I could go on and on. We could talk about our, our education system. Your kids spend so much time, you know, whether it's public school or even private school, there's many times other people spending a lot more time bringing up your children than you are. Um, and, and that's just our culture. If it's not your, the school, it's, it's um, you know, their iPhone. Your, your kids are being brought up to learning to Google everything. They've got access to the entire cosmos of information. 
um, uh, you know, uh, daycare, you know, because of, you know, the way the economy's going and we're trying to level off, um, you know, the men and the women in the workplace. Uh, it's really made it hard to be a single income family. I, I've been doing some studies on that, by the way, and uh, I don't, I'm not going to have time to go into all this today. Um, I'm tempted. Uh, I've got it all right here. Uh, <laughs> um, but basically, um, in my studies, I found that the, the, the double income uh, thing does not work out mathematically. It costs so much money uh, to, to have childcare and what have you, and usually uh, the sacrifice, uh, if you, especially if you weigh out, you know, who's raising your children. Um, you know, one of the things that I think makes our kids wrathful is total neglect. And, and because of our culture, the male, the female, the man, the woman, that uh, we're both working oftentimes. And um, um, the studies show that um, you can actually make it work uh, with a single income still. Uh, you can still do that. And uh, you may, you know, not have all the uh, luxuries or the things that you think you want. But, um, you know, uh, I, I read a comparison study between 1975 and 2005. And, um, and the things that families felt they needed to be, like, you know, uh, really comfortable. And the comparison was crazy. You know, in the 75, it was a car, you know, a roof over your head, some food. Um, and clothes, pretty much, you know, and that's, you'd feel like, man, we're squared away as a family, and nowadays, man, it's, uh, it's, you know, several cars, making sure the kids have a car, college education for the kids, and a pool in the backyard, and a boat, and, you know, like, there's a long list of things you kind of need, um, and so people are willing to shoot their kids off to daycare, and, uh, and what have you. And because of that, we, we see other people raising our kids. You know, the amount of hours a kid watches TV, your TV is raising your children. That's our culture. That's where we live. Um, the music that they listen to, that they're, they're learning what their worldview is going to be from the people they're listening to. Um, and, and by the way, you know, um, the older you get, I've noticed a lot of people, music sort of trails off in your things that are important. But remember when you were a kid, it was all about music, many of you. It was like all about the bands you were into. Now you're kind of like, yeah, whatever. But we sort of forget that to a teenager or you know, the music they're listening to is kind of their life at that time. And, uh, and what is that influence having upon them? Now, to raise them up, sometimes people believe that means isolation. Man, we got to protect our kids. No secular music. We're going to put them in a Christian school. We're going to make sure and, you know, move them from one Christian event to another and not let them see anything in the world. And I think that isolation, I understand, and far be it from me to criticize any of you for, or your wives. Uh, our wives do this more than men do, by the way. They want to isolate, understandably. But I wonder if that tactic may not be extremely practical. And I say this very carefully because I'm not knocking people who want to isolate their kids from the world. I totally get that. Um, I have that same, uh, you know, proclivity myself. But the truth is, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you're going to have the world staring you in the face. You know that to be true. Uh, if you go anywhere, if you do anything. And I think sometimes we as Christian parents wanting to isolate, rather than just isolating their eyes and covering their ears and, and not letting them see the world, um, are we really equipping them so that when they do get out of the house in your protective custody, um, do, they, do they have the equipment in their heart and their mind and their soul to deal with stuff when they see it? Um, you know, um, the, the, the idea of isolation, I understand there's ages and 
age-appropriate things that kids will be exposed to and what have you. But kids are just going to be, you know, shown godlessness. And they're going to they're gonna see it all around them. And, you know, their friends are going to bring it up. Even if they're in a Christian school, they're going to see it. Um, you know, they're gonna, if you're driving down the freeway, they're going to see it. Uh, if they go to the shopping center, they're going to see the TVs and the, 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 the advertising. And it's just going to be in their face. So rather than isolation, what we need to do is, is teach our kids how to handle those things. Um, how do you deal with lust? How do you deal with um, the temptations of this world, the things that our soul really wants, that are drawn to? The, the, what do you do with music that is godless and sinful? You know, there's a lot of stuff that kids listen to that's just, you know, promoting godlessness and actually um, totally against God. So what do you do? Do you just, you know, put earplugs, you know, little hunting uh, earplugs, shooting, you know, put on those big earmuffs, you know, and turn up the volume? What do you, what do, you do? Well, what you do is you prepare them to have a heart to want to do what God wants them to do. Um, you know, you can, it's the old, you can teach a man to fish, uh, or you can feed a man a fish, or you can teach a man to fish. What are you going to do? Long term, you've got to teach your kids how to live in this world. And, um, and how do you do that? Well, that's a longer discussion. We'll talk some more about some of those plans of how we do that. Um, you know, the, the, the culture we're living in right now is diminishing the role of the father. Um, and masculinity is, uh, is being challenged. Uh, Tucker Carlson's doing a series uh, right now uh, on TV that is interesting about, um, you know, how boys, teenage boys, their test scores are going down, drug abuse is up, suicide is up compared to girls. And, and there's a lot of guys that are aimless and they don't know what they're doing with their lives. Um, and and, um, and it has, there's some connection to our sort of the hostility toward um, manliness and male leadership or anything like that. That's all kind of being threatened. And there's some interesting secular view on that that, I, that I've been bumping into. But the truth is, the statistics really are shocking. You know, um, the world views sex, marriage, and children as separate entities, unrelated, um, different issues. But the Bible links uh, sex, marriage, and children all to one thing. You know, we as Christians believe that sex happens in marriage, and then with a father and a, and a, a mother, they are to raise their children, and that's the biblical model. Anything outside of that is contrary to God's word. You know, we try to act, oh, we're going to celebrate single parenting. Um, single parenting is the worst thing in the world. It's hard. It's difficult. Ask a single parent. Um, at Athey Creek, we want to support our single parents, but we don't want to encourage people to go that direct direction. We want to tell people single parenting is the hardest, most difficult thing you'll ever do. You need a husband and a wife, really, to raise kids. Apart from that, you need a miracle from God that your kids will do well. I'm just telling it like it is. Um, uh, the world doesn't want to say that. The world today is saying, ah, single mom, single dad, two daddies, two mommies, it's all the same, you know. Um, man, I, I'm telling you, the world is pushing an agenda so hard. We got a kid at Tigard High School uh, who was uh, in a class, and, you know, Tigard's kind of at the cutting edge of uh, stupidity right now. I'm just going to say that. Um, uh, they have a class at Tigard High School where the teacher was saying there are actually 42 different genders. 42 different genders. Well, one kid raised his hand. He said, um, there's two genders, male and female. Um, and, and the teacher uh, eventually in the discussion called the kid a homophobe and sent him to the office um, and uh, got him in trouble for saying that. 
I talked to another one of our high school kids from Sherwood High School, um, and uh, there was one harebrained teacher that, you know, um, thought it was cool to replace the American flag with the rainbow flag. And she would have the, the class stand and say, pledge allegiance to the rainbow flag. And uh, this, this Athey Creek guy, man, I love this kid. He was, he was telling me about this. He just said, he came in and said, you know, um, did you know you got to have an American flag in your class? This is illegal. And he, and he, he got this whole thing changed. Well, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because um, through a little bit of fight, you know, a little fight, uh, they finally made her take down the rainbow flag, put an American flag in. But somehow the bracket that the American flag was got crushed and it was no longer able to hold the American flag. And so this eighth degree kid said, I can fix that. So he went into the classroom and got a new bracket and fixed it. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. You know, I like that. Um, good stuff. But this is the kind of education your children are getting. Uh, uh, you know, saying pledge allegiance to the rainbow flag. Um, and this is stuff in our church. I'm not talking about something that happened in America. These are things that are happening in our local high schools. Um, so this whole idea of sex, marriage, and, and children is tweaked in our culture. One, um, one, out of thir- uh, one third of all children that are conceived in America are aborted. Up to one third of all births don't have a father listed on the birth certificate. Uh, one out of every three does not have a father listed on the birth certificate. Um, almost every social ill... And I've done some heavy study on this lately. Um, almost every social problem in America today is related to fatherlessness. Or not just fatherlessness, but dads that aren't even there. Uh, like they're, they're technically the dad, but they're busy working and they're not really plugging in and they're, they're sort of the absentee kind of father. Here's just six things. Poverty. Um, young children living with unmarried mothers live five times as likely to be, more, to be poor uh, and ten times more likely to be extremely poor. Uh, that's a single mom situation. Um, National Center for Children in Poverty uh, gave us that statistic. Um, number two, drug and alcohol abuse. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services states that fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Children growing up in a single parent household um, is at a significantly increased risk for drug abuse as teenagers. Um, also, um, physical and emotional health, number three, um, a study on nearly 6,000 children found that a ch- children from single-parent homes had more physical and mental health problems than children who lived with two married parents. Additionally, boys in single-parent homes were found to have more illnesses than girls in single-parent homes. You know, children in single-parent families are two to three times as likely um, as children in two-parent families to have emotional and behavioral problems. Um, it's always interesting to me, you know, um, did you know that today we have 10% of the mental institutions that we had back in the 70s? Um, and we wonder why there's crazy people running around shooting up schools and stuff like that. There's an, there's an emotional health problem that we have. And, you know, instead of putting people in places where they can be watched and cared for, um, we just have been feeding them medicine, medications, And uh, those medications, whether they're on them or coming off of them when they shouldn't be or whatever, there's a a remedy there of of disaster. And, um, you know, uh, it's funny because, uh, you know, uh, not to get into the whole gun argument, but, you know, when I was a kid, 
all my high school buddies, we had gun, gun racks in our trucks and guys brought their guns to school. They were hanging in the back of their truck. I mean, okay, I went to a goat rope in school. That's where I went, but, uh, uh, but we did. We, we had, uh, and it was, I remember I'd walk down the street with a gun, you know, uh, as a kid, you know, I'd, I'd always have my 22 and we'd be walking around. Um, and, 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 you know, the thing about the gun problem, everybody's trying to, you know, say it's guns, guns, guns. But I believe it's a spiritual condition uh, of the heart that has plagued this nation. And, and because of a worldview, and it's funny, the, 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 the side that's so anti-gun, interestingly, and again, I'm not trying to make an argument. Don't come up to me and say, Brad, you shouldn't be talking about guns. Uh, it's not about the guns to me. To me, it's, it's about um, the spiritual condition of America. No wonder. It's what we've been feeding in our education system. It's what we've been doing with medicines and drugs, with our lack of mental health uh, acuity. In fact, uh, um, that, that, that has caused so much trouble that um, it's no wonder we have all these things that we didn't have uh, in a previous era and day. Um, educational achievement in the uh, studies uh, showing 25,000 children. This is a big study. They are uh, using national representation representation of data sets, children who lived with only one parent had lower grade point averages by far, lower college aspirations, poor attendance records, and higher dropout rates than students who lived with both parents. Crime, in a study using national probability sample of 1,600 students, uh, young men and women, it was found that older boys and girls from fem uh, female-headed households are more likely to commit criminal acts than their peers who lived with two parents. Uh, and on and on, man, I got probably too many. Uh, sexual activity and teen pregnancy. Um, of course, adolescent females between the ages of 15 to 19 are, uh, that were reared in homes without fathers are significantly more likely to engage in premarital sex than adolescent females reared in home with both a mother and a father. Confused identity. Uh, that's a big thing right now. And that's why this teacher at Tiger saying there's 42 different genders. Um, and they're encouraging that. They're encouraging that at very young ages now in our public schools, that a child could, at the age of six, determine what sex they are, what race they are. Did you see in Massachusetts now, the school district says that they don't have to tell their parents uh, of the child when they decide what uh, gender or what race they happen to be. Um, so they're deciding their race now, which, uh, um, boy, that's a new thing. Um, but, um, but all that to say, you know, we have huge problems and, and our teenagers are at a great level of crisis right now. And it's largely because I think that um, there's the single parent thing and there's the absentee, absentee dads or um, dads that are just neglecting their role to be uh, leaders in their homes. And that's why I want to encourage you guys to raise up your children. Don't let the TV raise your children. Don't let the music raise your children. Don't let your teachers at school raise your children. It's your job. Um, do you remember, uh, man, uh, we could go so fast on some of this stuff, but um, uh, if, you, if you recall, even in the Bible, the Lord holds parents accountable for their, for their children's behavior. Um, if you remember the high priest who was neglecting his kids and basically God would hold him accountable uh, for their horrible behavior and, and said, you have not raised them up and taught them in the, the way of the Lord. And the Lord held him accountable and others on and on they go. Um, so, so involvement, that's a big part for you to involve uh, into your kids' lives. Now, here's some of the mistakes we make really quick. Um, when it says train up with the child in the way that he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, the momentum starts when they're little and you gotta keep that momentum going as, as they get older. But the way you do that is you don't keep doing little kid things. Uh, 
So when you're doing little family devotions when they're four or five years old, that's going to look different than family devotions when they're uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 15. It's going to change. You need to change with the times uh, of your kids and their level. And and a tricky thing, too, is um, adjusting for the different age groups within your own home. My poor daughter, Casey, you know, she was... Debbie and I had to look for stuff for her to get in trouble, but she, she, she'd look at Joey and Brookie and learn from them and then um, realize, oh, I don't want to do that. I might get in trouble for that. Oh, you get a spanking for that. So like Debbie and I had to look, just look for something because she was like the kind of the perfect child. Um, and, uh, uh, but then in those teenage years, it's funny, you know, we realized she was so little, she didn't really understand a lot of the stuff we were talking about. Um, when when Joey and Brookie were a little older, and, and Debbie and I kind of realized, wow, we, we probably could have done better custom fitting and doing doing certain things more one on one, even perhaps. Um, let me throw out a bunch of freebies for you guys. I'm going to have uh, some guys come up and share with you guys some of the things they do here in a minute um, because uh, I like different ideas and what have. But um, you know, uh, here's a few ideas. Don't just, you know, do sports. That's, that's what a lot of men default. They say, well, I'm, I'm doing, I'm coaching sports. Hey, that's great. And I, I applaud coaching sports, love sports. My kids were in sports. Uh, uh, I even allowed the communists uh, in my home when, they, when I let my kids play soccer um, and stuff like that. It was great. It was awesome. Um, so I'm a big fan of sports. And, um, and, and Joey and I, we did a lot of different sports. We, uh, I used to be into skateboarding, and we'd, we'd go to the skate park in Newburgh. And one time, Joey and I were on Fox Sports. Do you remember that, Joey? We were, we were over at the skate park skating, and uh, all of a sudden, we're uh, like in Sun River. We got to stay at somebody's house. We're watching Fox Sports. They're like, best skate parks in America. And they were going around the world. And then all of a sudden, it said Newburgh. And, and there's me skating on, on the, uh, I made it in Fox Sports skateboarding. Uh, I was like, is that me? And Joey's like, that's you, Dad. It's like we were on TV. Um, but uh, skating wasn't my forte as much. But, uh, um, but we did motocross. That was kind of our, our big thing. But it wasn't about motocross for me. It was as much as it was the drive time. You know, the drive time or sitting on the tailgate between motos um, and sharing the Lord with, with Joe and talking to him about the word. Um, I would have, uh, you know, uh, daddy-daughter dates um, you know, one of my favorite things was to take each one of my kids kind of one by one and go to Miller's and get some pancakes and just open up the word and share with my kids age appropriate, uh, dialed in time of what, what is this child? What is, what is Casey going through? What is Brooke feeling right now? What are, what are her struggles? What are the things that makes her excited and happy? And, and trying, to, trying to address those things and know that they're supported by their dad. Um, you know, so it's not just going to the sporting events, it's, it's, it's redeeming the time within those events that you're doing. Um, you know, I, 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 I liked once in a while uh, not having the kids ride the bus to school, but I would, if I had an opportunity in my schedule, I'd say, hey, I want to take you to school this morning and use that as a moment to um, uh, just speak something into their lives. Um, uh, when you do family devotions, have little key phrases. You guys have heard me talk about this with my dad. He had key phrases that came from some other lesson where he would just kind of speak those things in. And, and to this very day, my dad will text or you know leave a, a voicemail saying, uh, don't let Satan get a handle on you. Don't let Satan get a handle on you. And, and he, see, I know what that means. He was talking about how Satan wants to put a handle on your back and jerk you around. And he wants to push you into those things that, that are godless and sinful. And I sort of pictured like a lunch pail handle on my back. And Satan wants to get a handle on you. And he wants to get control of your life. And, and my dad used to do family devos on that. So then when he said that phrase, I knew that by choosing the wrong friends on the first day of school, 
That might just be letting Satan get a handle on you if you choose the wrong people to hang with. Um, by um, choosing to sort of uh, engage in a certain behavior and doing that over and over again, that starts to get a handle on you. So my dad would say, don't let Satan get a handle on you. Or watch out for number 60, 69. Uh, this guy broke my toe in junior high in football, and he was this big kind of <clears throat> non-athlete, but he was really heavy, and he crushed my foot. And just a frustrating game, and my dad said, there's always a number 69. And, and, I, and he said, watch out for number 69. Satan wants to mess you up with that person. And you guys all have the 69 at your workplace, don't you? Like that, there's that one person that annoys you, that drives you nuts, and wants to make you, you know, falter and fail. My dad would always say, watch out for that guy. <clears throat> or, um, you know, on and on they go. But have little things you can remind your kids um, of truth, biblical, good, solid truth. Um, you know, uh, sometimes I would just go for a drive with the kids so I could have, there's something about, you know, my truck. It's not only is my office largely, um, uh, my truck is also a counseling office and it was off all, also time to have good quiet time with my kids. There's so many distractions everywhere else. Sometimes just going for a drive. I used to babysit that way too. Debbie, you know, I'd, I'd let her uh, free for a few minutes and she'd let her go shopping with Marna or something. And, and then it was time for me to babysit when they were little. I'm like, oh, diapers, babies, put them all in their car seats and just start driving. It was great. It was like, you know, they start to fall asleep and uh, um, the car is a good place for ministry. Um, but, <clears throat> but I think starting regular daddy-daughter dates and with intentional, um, you know, plans, saying I'm going to get into the scriptures and talk about this. Um, but that's your job. You're the pastor. But not really. You're the pastor of your own home. Um, you know, uh, I love what it says there, you know, when, when God told the children of Israel how to do this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen, I'm not going to have you turn there because I want you to really listen. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. <clears throat> Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, <clears throat> and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt uh, talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. <clears throat> what is that? They shall be in thy heart. Remember I was talking about momentum? That's where momentum comes from. It's gotta be in your kids' hearts. It can't just be head knowledge of what's right and what's wrong, do's and don'ts. It's gotta be a heart to follow Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And with that, I want to uh, share with you guys, uh, one of our pastors, uh, if you guys don't know Gabe, you're, uh, you really should know him. He's a good man. And um, he's got a thing that he does with his family that I, want, I wanted him to come up and share with us. Uh, and this will just give you some good ideas, but also uh, maybe inspire you. So let's give a warm welcome for Gabe Carter. Morning, guys. All right. So, really what I'm going to share with you guys, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a PowerPoint, believe it or not, and um, what I do with my family, it's, it's nothing groundbreaking, nothing that's uh, difficult, um, and really it came from a time probably seven years ago, I think it was, um, my daughter I think was two or three, and then we had just had uh, our oldest boy, and I kept hearing the hey, they grow up so fast. They grow up so fast. Brett would say it from the front. I'd hear other guys say, they grow up so fast. And my, I think J Jada was three at the time. And just some of the phrases, the way she was talking, I was like, man, she, she really is growing up so fast. And I was just kind of letting 
things go. So this kind of came out of failure, really, in my life, going, man, I really should, should start leading in the ways of the Lord. Um, and uh, so what, what my wife and I did um, is really kind of came up with a plan. And um, it, it really has to do with even what Brett was just sharing, that Deuteronomy chapter 6, you know, where Jesus um, reiterates that in the New Testament when the Pharisees and the scribes, they, they come to Jesus and they're testing and say, hey, hey, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, the other is like unto it, to love others as yourself. And so from that, we've kind of just taken, hey, how can we as a family um, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And then from that also outward, love others as ourself. Um, and so... Pretty much everything that you've, you know, if you've been an Athey Creeker for a while, uh, the stuff that Brett's been saying, a lot of this is just, we wrote, wrote it down. And it was purely just so that we could come back to it. Um, another aspect of it was, you know, as a husband, you know, 1 Peter 3, 7 tells us that, man, we need to dwell with our wives uh, and live with them in an, and know them in an understanding way. Um, you know, since, and, and show honor to them as the weaker vessel, since we are co-heirs together of the grace of life, lest our prayers be hindered, right? And um, really, how can my wife and I, how can I love my wife, know my wife, understand her um, in the home with the kids? And this was an aspect of that. Um, honestly, it was sort of a cheat sheet for me. Um, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I kind of want my wife just to, to write down the answers of how do I know you? <laughs> and this was part of a tool. I kind of could, could use it to draw out what it is, her motivation, what, how, how does she work? Um, so partly this is just what I've used in, in, in my life, and I think the Lord has led me to use this tool uh, really to, to lead my family. Um, you know, Amos 3.3, 3, for instance, right? Unless two are agreed, can they walk together? So with this, this is not me unilaterally making decisions and then handing it to my wife and saying, hey, go do this, because this is, this is how I want the home to be run. But it's me coming together with my wife, praying through these things. And again, I'll, I'll show them to you here in just a second. I'm not groundbreaking, um, just so that we can walk together through this. Um, and even as Brett was sharing, we do this yearly. We come together every year, we sit down, we pray through these things, and then even throughout the year, we, we talk about them. Um, it's something that we really create just a little one-page thing that we stick on the fridge, that we look at and go, hey, how are we doing? Is this something that we should change or not? And then the, the greatest part about it really is later on down the, the line, like, you know, a year or so passes, we look back at some of those things, but man, look what the Lord did. Uh, look, look how the Lord had, had, had brought this to come, you know, to, to pass. Um, so with that, really, it's just a, a, you know, a family vision plan. Um, uh, one of my buddies, I don't know if he's here today. I don't see him. Um, <laughs> he came up with a stupid name for it called the Carter Charter. It's, it's a dumb name. Uh, so we've, we've stuck, that's what we call ours just because it's a, it's a simple thing. But by no means is, is it a law in our home. Uh, this is not something that, you, you, you do it or else. <clears throat> it's really a vision, you know, just as Proverbs reminds us there, I think in chapter, um, I'm blanking, blanking on it, that without vision, the people perish. And the idea there is that it's not my vision. This isn't my vision going, I'm going to cast my vision to my kids. Really, it's, it's, you know, I think the ESV and the NIV talk about prophetic vision. The idea is this is, the, this is how I'm applying the word of God to my home and with my kids and with my wife. So with that, we've broken it up just into two categories, right? Upward, to love the Lord our God with all our heart. How can we as a family love God? It's that vertical relationship. 
Um, and really, these are simple little things that, that we do. These are just examples, um, not, not necessarily everything that we put on there. Um, it's that vertical relationship uh, with the Lord. It's important that your walk is tight as a father, right? You, you can loosely apply Acts 20, 28. It's talking about pastors there who um, are to take careful attention to themselves and to the flock of God um, that they're, that's amongst them, um, paying careful attention. And so from that, I'm going, okay, if we're the pastor in our home, I need to take careful attention to my walk with the Lord and then also careful attention to the walk of those in my home, my kids, my wife. Um, so that upward relationship, um, cultivating a home that's really Christ-centered, right? That's really the, the motivation and the goal. And then I just make these things, they're little small things, they're simple and doable. Um, again, this is not earth-shattering, it's not groundbreaking, um, and this isn't gonna work for everybody, I admit that. But this is the, something the Lord had let us in, and we just do, again, a little one-page document, we write upward, and we write a few things underneath that upward document, that, that tab, just saying, here's the things that we wanna focus on. Um, and here's a couple examples um, that we use. Um, so morning devotions and prayer, important that individually that our walk is, is tight with the Lord. So this is just something simple. Not all of us can get up at 6.30. Not all of us, you know, there's different jobs. You're all over the place. So it's just talk, we're talking, okay, I write this down, one, to keep me accountable. That, man, this is something I should do. And even come back to, how am I doing there? Um, it's easy to let these things slip. Um, and then, you know, be consistent with family devotions. You know, on Monday nights, I just wrote Monday nights on there because it used to be Monday. It's the day has shifted. Those are things that, that change. Um, and again, these are things that my wife and I are in agreement on. Like, this is, hey, we, we're going we're gonna to do these things individually and together. Um, pray for and with the family. I mean, these are, again, things that are simple. But we write them down just to be reminded um, as we kind of walk through life. You know, if it's memory versus the dinner table with the kids, you know, on little cards, um, uh, discuss and think about applying, you know, the recent sermon. Like, usually on the, on the way home, if we're driving back, um, you know, one of the coolest things, honestly, is to see that my kids just love coming to church. And as we leave, uh, it's, it's funny to watch my, my two older sort of argue over who gets to, to tell me what they learned first. And um, I love that. Like, I love the fact that they're so excited to say, this is what we learned at church today. And they, you know, and then I ask, well, how do you apply that? How are you going to use that? Um, uh, and then... From there, we have um, the outward. Uh, oh, here's a few more. So, you know, read Bible stories to the kids before bed, depending on the ages, as Brett was talking about, as they grow older. Um, some of those could just be, you know, uh, you know, maybe even going through the Bible with your kids um, is an example. Wake up in the morning and just read through the Bible together with your kids or with your family. Get, try to get through it in, in two years. I think a year can be kind of a, a, a tough pace. Two years is something I think that's doable. Um, you know, maybe even attend Sunday night worship once a month, those types of things. I remember when uh, my wife and I, we first started coming to Athey, man, 13 so years ago, and um, we didn't really plug in right away on Wednesday nights, and we kind of made a decision, this is our home. We should probably spend time at home a little bit. So we started coming Wednesday nights, and then uh, we thought, man, Sunday nights, because Brett would always plug Sunday night, you know, Sunday night worship. It's, you know, this is, it's really intimate, it's small, it's, it's a time with the Lord. And man, so thankful we just started, hey, let's, let's do that. And um, man, it was a it's just been a huge blessing, you know. Um, and then really, what, what's the Sabbath rest? You know, it could be, Brett's had, you know, teachings on what the Sabbath is. Is it something different from what you're doing? Um, and it could just be sleeping in, just little things. Um, 
I'm a guy that just likes to keep going, so I have to write, write those things down or I won't stop and look at what is a Sabbath, what's a rest look like. Um, and then from there, we have a second category that's just outward. Um, this category tends to be bigger because they're a little more concrete and they're, they're, just, they're still simple little things, loving others as yourself. And what we do with these is we kind of group them by context. Now, that sounds like it's a, you know, oh, this fancy context, but it's just where you're at. You know, um, where the where's the Lord placed you in, 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 in those groupings? Um, and then the goal should be actionable, small little things that you can do, um, that, that you are loving others as yourself. Um, and then just think simple, guys. These are simple little things. They're not, again, groundbreaking. They're not earth-shattering by any sense of the matter. And then also, man, think, think biblical. You know, tie scripture to these things. Where in the Bible do you see see this? Where has the Lord led you? And I got to be honest, I think a lot of the stuff that, I, that, that, I, um, that we've used in these is, one, come from just reading the Bible, two, being here at Athey, and then three, like Sunday night worship, like just seeking the Lord in prayer, and he's given tons of direction um, in that. So we kind of break it up into categories. We have home, um, and under that, here's a few examples um, you know, be in bed by 11 p.m. You're like, well, how are you loving others as yourself? Well, if you don't get enough sleep, you might be cranky, <laughs> tired. You might, you and your wife might, you know, butt heads a little bit. You might not be the nicest guy around. Um, so just a simple be in bed by a certain time period. You know, uh, maintain a chore chart uh, with our kids. It's just to be consistent. We're trying to get them, again, that Amos 3.3. We're agreed. We're on the same page. My wife and I are heading the same direction. Um, there's no real... Uh, uh, yeah, so, and then from, you know, maybe a family game night once a month. I think I stole this from Ben, um, who's going to share in just a minute. But it's, we uh, just have, you know, here's, here are things that we can do to, in, to create joy within our home and make our home inviting and warm. Loving our neighbors. Um, I can be so busy, I can forget that I actually live in a neighborhood. Um, and so something my wife and I have been praying about is how can we be better neighbors like literally to our neighbors. Um, we got, you know, four kids and then another one on the way and it's just like, we're, we're kind of the crazy house with tons of kids um, and all the kids come over to our house and so that's one aspect of, man, how can we love our neighbors? Well, let's invite our house to be the, the fun house for all the neighborhood kids. Um, and, you know, maybe a barbecue, we're talking about barbecues and stuff this summer, but uh, be consistent and prayerful and disciplined with a focus on the heart. Um, now, that's not very actionable. You're like, well, that's not. Well, part of it is just to make me, rem to remind me why I'm disciplining my kids uh, and, and just not kind of get um, into, the, into the mundane routine of things. Um, and then train and raise, don't react and, and provoke. Um, another category could be church. It's the outward, right? You're coming to church. How, how, how can you love others as yourself um, within the church? You could pour into your home group if you're a part of a home group. You can spend time meeting new people, uh, sit in a different seat even. That could even be, you know, on there. I want to sit in a new seat every week. Um, uh, look for ways to minister as a family. This is something my wife and I have been praying about. How can I bring our kids in, in into ministering with us? And then, you know, start maybe a men's Bible study is an idea too, too as well. Um, and then we have work slash school. Um, and uh, so pray for the opportunities to share the gospel at work. These are things like it's, it, we were, we're kind of often told, hey, we should probably, we should probably you know, be about, uh, do the work of an evangelist. But this is something, okay, I'm going to put this on the list, and this is something we're actually going to pray about. I'm going to pray that we actually go out and share the gospel with, with those at work. Um, you know, pray for a coworker, fellow students, teachers, those, those people that, that totally need, you know, I think of the, the teacher that Brett was even sharing about who, who 
puts up the flag there. Like, we pray, like it, that, I'm hoping that that student was like, man, I'm going to pray for that teacher as well. Um, and then, um, oh, I jumped to the kids' education. So we, we homeschool. So uh, part of ours is every year praying through whether or not we homeschool each kid the same way every year. Or do we put them in public school? Um, so pray through schooling choice for each kid. Um, Otherwise, we can kind of get stuck on the homeschool thing. We have, so under homeschool there, we have our older kids teach the younger kids. And so that's something we really want to, make, to ensure, hey, but my daughter's helping out and teaching. You know, she's, you know, a fourth grader. She can definitely teach a kindergartner how to, you know, do colors and, and, and all that. So I'm um, trying to bring all these things in. And even financial, you know, the, the Lord's concerned with our financial goals and, and whatnot. And these aren't groundbreaking again. It's just simple. Man, maybe it's like pay off student loans. Put that on there. Because you really, you know, you can go, well, how's that going to make me love other people? Well, it, it frees you up. Um, in, in our own budget, we create a budget that actually has money that we give. And it's like, hey, we're going to set aside money and we want that to grow so we can use that to keep giving to people and, and loving people um, in that way. So that's a simple, I know I ran through that real quick, it's a really simple process that we go through, but it's ultimately just a way that, man, we can, we can love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we can love others as ourselves, and, and how the Lord has really... Um, used it uh, as a tool in our family to, to, to bring the kids along and to raise up, even as we were saying, raise up our kids um, in the admonition of the Lord so that, you know, there are arrows to be shot, that they're going to go. Um, and it, it forces me as a guy who can get busy to go, okay, what are we doing to come back to this? And then not only just to come back to it, but to be prayerful. And then to also, my wife is right there along, along the way um, uh, with me. So that's pretty much it. It's simple. Uh, nothing earth-shattering, um, but we do it, one-page document, stick it on the fridge. Uh, my wife loves it because she's she's, she gets excited when she sees things happen, um, and she sees the kids, in, you know, just flourishing and doing well. Um, so it's been a great benefit in my family, um, and, I, and I, could, I could bet it would be a good benefit in your family as well. So, Rep? All right, the Carter Charter. Yeah. That's great, man. That's good stuff. Here, why don't you... Um, why don't you have a seat right here? And Ben, would you come on up? Ben Harris. Uh, let's give Ben a big round of applause. Ben Harris. Man, um, if there's one thing that all three... Here, here you go, right there. Grab that one over there. Oh, tie it up. Um, if there's one thing the three of us have in common is um, our kids are all amazing. And uh, the three of us would like to take credit for that, but um, we all have wives that blow our doors off. Uh, that's that's the true. thing, that's the main common thread that we have the, between the three of us. Um, you know, I'd like to call Gabe a nerd. Um, yeah, true. Because he wrote it all down and has the Carter Charter, uh, but I can't because the Bible tells us to do exactly what he did. Do you, do you guys know that? Um, uh, you know, uh, in Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 29, uh, verse 18, it says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Right. Um, so his family has vision with the Carter Charter. But also uh, in Habakkuk, that's a ver uh, scripture you turn to all the time, I'm sure. But um, Habakkuk, however you want to say it, um, it says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables. Uh, and really that's what Gabe has done by coming up with this Carter Charter. Um, it's on the fridge. It's something there to see. It's something to, to, you know, to check. And, you know, that's the thing. A lot of times I think that's where you and I drop the ball. We come out of a place like this today going, yeah, man, I need to pray with the kids, do family, do I need to do this and that. 
and it's all in your mind right now. But have you ever noticed that once you walk out the door, it's like, now what was that about again? Like, what, what did we talk about? What did Brett yak on and on about for hours? Uh, like, and, and if you don't write it down, if you don't put it down plainly and come up with a bit of a game plan, you end up kind of just, you know, dropping the ball. And that's where so many of us have dropped the ball is that we have great intentions, uh, great hopes for our kids and aspirations for our families, but we sort of drop the ball, I think, with... Um, with, with the doing of it. And I think that, that Gabe's done a, a really smart thing there. So I commend you, Carter Charter. Um, if you didn't get all that, by the way, uh, you'll be able to watch the video of this session that we're having here uh, on, online. Uh, you can look up any of the ironworks and all of them there are online available to, to look at. But this one particularly, if you, if you want to get those uh, bits and pieces from the Carter Charter and then tweak it, you know, for your family, for your wife. I like what you said about that. It's kind of a flexible thing that you guys pray through and seek the Lord about what, what needs to happen in your family. Um, so uh, the, I, I've got some questions I want to kind of throw out, and then I might, I might even open it up for you guys. So be thinking of some questions for one of us up here or all of us or whatever. But um, last week I talked about the big lift. Uh, do you guys remember that? Um, that you know, uh, you got to be ready for the big lift. Uh, on the bench press, I was talking about that. And and the big lift does not work. It's not, you know, going to work each day and really impressing the boss. The big lift is when you come home at the end of the day and your family's there and, and, and what are you going to do? What, what is your attitude? What's your demeanor? What are you ready to do? Are you pooped? Are you the dad that says, okay, it's time to chill out and just get the remote and, uh, and just veg out and say, kids, be quiet. Don't bother dad out a long day. Or do you realize the big lift is there? When you come home, your wife is there, your kids are there, and, and that's where you should be game on. That's, that's where, that's the peak of your day. Um, that's when you should be ready to pour in the best of your energy. And it's, a lot of it's mentally, it's a mental thing. Um, remember I talked about going into overtime in football, playing both ways, special teams. I'd be pooped by the end of the fourth quarter. But, um, but it's funny, if we had a game that was pretty intense and we went into overtime, man, I felt as good as new. Uh, ready for a fifth quarter, you know, um, that's mental. It's all mental. And I think that's what we have to do when we come home. So Ben, I'm going to ask you, um, when you're, cause you're a busy guy and, and you're with kids, uh, most of the day, uh, you might be kitted out by the time you get home. So what do you do to be ready for the big lift when you get home? Yeah. Um, for myself, it, uh, my job starts as soon as I get out of my car and park it in the garage. A good friend of mine told me that's, that's your real job. That's when it really starts. And um, even just purposely stopping before I open the door to go inside, um, just praying, you know, kneeling down or just uh, depending on your circumstances, saying a quick prayer, but um, just relying on the Lord. And just, um, you know, there's two verses that kind of come to mind. John 15, 5. Uh, says, without me, you can do nothing, right? And so um, maybe w if we think, ah, I got this, it's all good, we can look to those words of Jesus and be reminded that, um, that we need him first to help us um, to be a good dad. And then also Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So if you feel weak, being reminded that we can um, as we enter into the house, be able to do the big lift and um, and then from there it's trying to just give all the kids a, a big hug uh, and then give my wife a kiss uh, and trying to check in with her a little bit too and if we have to like just 
shutting the sliding doors on one of our rooms and just saying, okay, kids, go play and kind of check in and kind of get the lowdown on what's happened through the day and, and find out what's happening and see if there's things that need to be taken care of or, or what have you. So That's good. Good, good word. I love how the garage can be your prayer closet. That's a great place, man. I think I get a lot of good spiritual work done. Not a lot of good uh, mechanical work done, but uh, I just was putting a new battery uh, in my dirt bike the other day. And, uh, but you can pray while you're uh, doing some of that stuff. Um, uh, here, here's a question I didn't say I was going to fire at you guys, so I like kind of winging it a little bit here. But um, uh, um, all Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here. All three of us have wives that are, I'm just going to say it, so much better on us than us in so many levels, but definitely on the spiritual level. Like, I think our wives could run circles around us spiritually. Um, and some of you are like, right, you're the pastor. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's my wife. She could, uh, it's amazing the Lord didn't tell the women that they should be the leaders in the church because they really are spiritually driven. Like they love the Lord and have a passion for prayer. And, um, and um, so what, if you're a guy like, and, and I, I, the reason I'm liking to talk to you guys, because you guys aren't going to believe it. Brett, you're a Bible guy. You're a pastor. But you guys are normal dudes who have wives that really love the Lord and are on fire for the Lord to their credit and benefit. How do you be a guy in a, in a home where your wife loves the Lord so much and, and, and then you kind of feel like, man, uh, but it's my role to be the spiritual lead. How, do that, how does that work out for you guys? Because I know you guys do really well in that area. Can you guys give us maybe, because I, I bet there's a lot of guys in this room, almost all maybe, uh, where the wives are more spiritually inclined. Like they would just be teary-eyed if you came home and did family devotions. If you said, hey, let's pray about that, your wife would just go, oh, he's, he wants to pray, yes. I mean, like, like that, it's like just built in. How do you guys uh, become the spiritual head and the leader with such uh, talented and wives that love the Lord so much? Gabe, why don't you start with that sure. one? Um, I think one, my, my wife has given me space to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, Proverbs talk about, you know, mentions there that uh, a man or a righteous man falls seven times but rises again. And so to, to think that you're going to go out the gate and, you know, knock out of the ballpark isn't, <laughs> isn't right. right out of the gate. It's not going to happen. Um, but realize, okay, here's what I can do. It's kind of the, the Moses mentality of what's in your, use what's in your hand. And so here's what's right in front of me. Here's what the Lord has given me. Um, here is where, you know, uh, here's where he's placed me. So just do what you can. Um, as opposed to not, fo not fo focusing so much on what you can't do and, 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 uh, and, and looking and trying to compare, you know, horizontally to your wife when, when really the Lord has called us, um, he, he says that the husband is the head, not will be a head or will grow into being a head. He is. Uh, so you just take that admonition as what it is um, and then just step out and do little things at a time. Um, step by step is, I think. Yeah. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think about that, Ben? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, the way that the Lord has made each one of us unique to be um, confident in the way that he has made me and the way that I present the Lord to my family and allowing my wife to present the Lord as he's made her. And it's, it's different. And when I try to um, make it uh, the way that she shares in my family, uh, it doesn't really work as much because I, I try to make it all spiritual and flowery and, 
combine it with this verse over here and what's happening through their day and sometimes I'll just fail if I do that whereas if I'm more in what the Lord is speaking to me to say and the way to present it then it comes off more natural yeah. the way it should be rather than trying to push that's it. good so. good word you know it's it's interesting because um, God created man in his image and I think male and female he created them and when you see a man and a woman you see the perfect blend of who really God is. He's got the strength and logic of a man, but the compassion and the nurturing of a woman. And God just has not, we know God's the father in heaven, no question about that, but he's the perfect embodiment. And a lot of times I think couples, you'll be tempted to compete. Uh, but um, I always liked, we're not competitors, we're completers. Mm-hmm. We, comp- we complete the image of God to our kids. That's why you need the man and the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so Debbie and I, when we, um, learned that, you know, early in our marriage that, you know, uh, that as men, you shouldn't think your wife's stupid for nurturing when the kid skins their knee and to cuddling and giving them the band-aid, you know, I'd be like, come on, t- they'll, you know, they'll, it'll heal, you know, toughen up. Um, and, um, and really those two attitudes are not wrong. They're just two different perspectives. And, um, and then Debbie and I working as a team in that, um, uh, whether it's family devotions or, or praying or any of that stuff, like just letting our wives be who they are, letting us be who we are, but we're still the ones where the buck stops, right? I mean, that's kind of a key there, so um, good. Um, Gabe, um, do you have a favorite, uh, what's your, what was the family devotion that you did, the one family devotion you did where you felt like you just, it was like a surprisingly a success uh, more than any of your other family devos? Well, um, this one, I mean, the one that always sticks out is uh, my, my daughter was still little at the time, um, but she still talks about it, and so that's why it sticks out. When she was three or four, we did um, just kind of, we, I taught through, and then we kind of acted out David's Mighty Men, and we did, you know, uh, Benaiah killing a lion in a pit on a snowy day. We, you know, we crumpled up paper and threw, you know, white paper all over the living room, and and uh, Amber and Micah were hiding underneath a desk, you know, like a lion. And, and you know, it was just, it was great. Um, it, and my daughter still talks about that to this day. She'll still go, remember that? And like, <laughs> I, so, I mean, it wasn't deeply profound, uh, but it had a lasting impression on my daughter. So it sticks out, sticks out as one that went well. Well, that's good. What about you, Ben? I mean, jokingly, any time that all three children can be seated yeah. for one minute, it's just hallelujah. So it's yeah, victory. Yeah. Um, I found the duct tape works really yeah. well for that too. Uh, but uh, zip ties, duct tape. Um, we have used bungee cords on <laughs> yeah. chairs before. Yeah, yeah. it works. Um, there's there's actually some some books that we used to use when the kids were younger, and still use it with my youngest. Uh, they're called Arch books, and they're oh, yeah. they actually make them still. I think in the the Christian Supply or whatever they call it now, but um, they all rhyme and they have Bible stories and the kids memorize some of those and I think they could probably recall them even today, but just some, we would act some of them out, uh, get the whole family involved and one person be talking behind the couch and the other person be acting it out and um, so those, those are some great memories and it seems like it stuck with them as well, so. That's good. Um, how old are your kids, Gabe? Yeah, so I still have little ones. My oldest is nine. My nine. youngest is yeah. two. Okay. What about nine, you? Nine, seven, ten, and thirteen. So, oh, the yeah. thirteen. That's just, time to get that barrel. Just, Mark yes. Yeah. talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thirteen. Yeah, that's good. Um, 
So, uh, you know, Gabe mentioned in his um, Carter Charter, uh, you know, uh, keeping Jesus, how did you say that? Uh, the, the center. The center of your family. Um, ben, how do you guys, like, what's a practical way you guys keep Christ uh, in, your, in your, you know, the focal point? I think that it's a, a constant reminding. Um, I mean, it starts with Jessica and I, um, kind of like Gabe was sharing what are having that personal walk and through that then we are by the inspiration of the holy spirit through the word being able to be filled up and then we can remind our kids who they are in christ and like you were saying brett um, in the world now there's just so much that is telling them trying to tell them who they are whereas opposed to the word and all the promises that that the lord gives us as to who they are and so just constantly getting that truth into them um, amidst all the lies. Uh, and so just, it's a, like I had written down too, Deuteronomy, about, you know, it's as you go. When you're getting up, when you're walking around, when you're sitting one-on-ones, just reminding them of, of who they are in Christ. So, That's good stuff. So, you know, with um, the, the, the idea of momentum, you know, the stuff that these two guys are doing with their little preschoolers and getting, you know, you know grade schoolers, um, you know, you got to start there, and then by the time they're teenagers, you got to try to keep that momentum going. But you, you don't, you don't bust out the puppets or the paper on the floor uh, or those things. You got to start, um, you know, being more adult. Uh, and um, you know, some of the things that happened with uh, with my kids is once we kind of uh, left some of the children type family devotions, it became more of a thing like around the dinner table. And I'd pray about this beforehand, and I'd be thinking of a scripture and maybe a truth and. Um, and, um, but, but oftentimes the goal for me was to get, open up a really good discussion around the table. Mm-hmm. So like, like if I heard about the kid, uh, you know, that was told, um, there's 42 genders and, uh, that kid that went and got expelled because he said there's actually two genders. Um, um, like I might raise that question at the, at the dinner table and say, kids, you know, here's what happened at T- Tiger High School. You know, what would you do? And what do you guys, what does the Bible tell us? Now you got to understand my kids they already spent their early years plugged into church, hearing Bible stories, knowing the scriptures. So by the time they're in high school, I'm actually having fairly weighty conversations with my kids. Like, they're, like there were some good, heavy, like I, I was taking notes uh, from my kids by the time they were in high school. I'm like, man, this is good, good stuff. I might use that next Sunday, you know, kind of thing. Um, and seriously, and, um, and uh, you know, and, and so, so keeping that momentum all the way through is such a key. Now, now uh, some of you might be saying, Brett, why weren't you here doing this 10 years ago? Uh, my kids are all teenagers now, and I, now, I'm, now I'm hearing all this stuff, and I got troubles and stuff. Um, it's never too late to, uh, to kick things into gear and start doing things right. And, and I would recommend if your kids are getting older, um, I would be bold and just sit down with those kids. I've, I've done this wrong. I should have been... I should have been sitting down with you guys when you were little guys. Um, and, for, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't do it. Uh, but, but from this point on, we're going to make the Lord the center of our house. And, and, and for you and your wife to pray about how do you um, bring Jesus in the center at whatever level your family's at and, and, and take it from here and uh, redeem the time. You know, um, the Lord is able to rede- uh, restore the years, the locusts have eaten, like Joel talks about. So it's never too late to start. Um, uh, but, I, but I can't stress enough, uh, that takes kind of a miracle. If you're in that place, we're going to be praying for a miracle that God will help you with your teenagers if you're just starting right now, and God can do that. 
Um, but it's so much better, so much easier if you start uh, early. If you're a grandfather, um, I feel like the role of the grandfather has been almost entirely lost. Um, I feel like in our culture, uh, we just don't celebrate old age anymore. Uh, we're one of the, the, the few cultures that really don't. I mean, if you go around the world, I've traveled to so many different countries, and um, one of the things that you see is a real honor and respect for old guys. And uh, man, when he stands up and says something, people listen, like in Vanuatu and Africa and Honduras, like there's, a, there's still this really kind of right respect. Um, but I think if you're a dad, make sure bring in grandpas, you know, and, and if you can, if you've got a, a grandfather in the family for your kids that, that is godly and loves the Lord, take advantage of that, man. Uh, uh, I wish my kids could have spent more time, you know, with, with my dad. Uh, you know, I still think my kids tap into my dad for wisdom, which is so cool. Um, and my mom, uh, grandma and grandpa, don't, don't diminish your role. Uh, and, if, and especially if you're a grandfather and your kids aren't raising your grandkids up in the way of the Lord, um, do your best to try to be that for them, you know, whenever you can to bring the Lord in and, and bring that reality into their lives as a, as a grandfather You've got a powerful tool, powerful role that so many people neglect. Um, how many guys are grandpas? Raise your hand. In the, man, that's a lot of guys. That's good. Uh, man, tap into that. that that's important. Uh, it's a big, 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 big role. Um, let's, let's do this. Let's open it up for some questions. I'll give all the hard ones to these guys. Uh, so who would like to? Yes. Great question. That, people doing that all the time. So Nick was asking, he's, he's noticed that some people have in-laws that aren't really walking with the Lord. Um, how do you deal with that uh, as a parent? A Christian parent is wanting to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. Uh, do either of you guys have uh, uns, like, like non-believing? See, that's, that helps. Um, well, I have that. Uh, I had that. I had that. Um, so Debbie's parents, when, when I got married, Debbie's dad was an atheist. And, um, and um, her mom didn't really, I would say, uh, I'm not sure she really was walking with the Lord, but largely because of um, Debbie's mom was busy working. Like she was, she was the single parent. Debbie was raised in the single mom home, you know, and uh, Debbie's mom is an, is an amazing lady, uh, really. Um, and what's cool now is, uh, is both of them are now saved. Um, but but uh, bringing up our, our kids in that way, um, you know, we'd go over to you know, the grandpa's house and, uh, and he would you know, cuss. <laughs> and, and Debbie and I are like, oh, that's, oh, oh. you know. Now I know some of you guys are like, yeah, come on. Uh, it's just a cuss word. But uh, for us, we were kind of trying to do the isolation thing, especially as they were little. And so um, th- we honestly, and this is painful, this is brutal, but we honestly had to very much watch the time. We didn't just send the grandkids to grandpa's house there um, because we wanted to know what our kids were hearing, what, what grandpa was saying. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I'm not sure that he liked that. I, I think he would have loved to just have the kids, you know, for a weekend. Not going to happen. Uh, that was for us. So, so it was guarded, um, but, but we tried to spend time, but it was, it was very much, uh, watched and, uh, and covered. And then, and then we debrief. I'd always debrief my kids. Now grandpa said this word. What do you guys think about that word? Um, and we'd talk about that. Joey, do you remember that? Seeing grandpa, uh, uh, there was always, you know, that was always an interesting time going to that grandpa's house. Um, and, and honestly, I, I feel bad for him because, you know, um, you could go to that grandpa's house where you hear cussing and it's just kind of this, you could, you could sense in the house Jesus wasn't there and it was kind of dark and cold, frankly. 
And then we go down the road to Grandpa Todd's house where there's dirt bikes and, um, and great food. And Grandma Brenda and Grandpa Todd, uh, you know, both still married. Um, and it's just warm and inviting. And okay. it was like, okay, we're going to Grandpa Todd's house. The kids are like, yeah! You know, and then we're, we're, it was just tough because we're just on such different pages, you know. Um, we, we as parents chose to really kind of protect them from um, the in-law that was not so uh, walking with the Lord. Um, now that they're older... Uh, I would I would encourage them to go hang out with uh, any of them and 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 you know Grandpa Dick now is a Christian and loves the Lord and um, you know and uh, it, but I but it's kind of cool how once the kids get older they can kind of discern through all that stuff but I don't leave it to the little kiddos to um, to just try to wade through that. How many of you guys deal with unsaved in-laws or parents? Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty big group too. Uh, what else? That's a good good question. Uh, anything else? Uh, yes. Yeah, great, great, great question. So Travis, if you didn't hear way in the back over there, um, what do you do when uh, the husband and wife aren't on the same page on what is a spank, what deserves a spanking or what discipline and, and, um, and, uh, and, it, and it ends up being kind of a, a battle between the two of you more than, more than what your, your child's dealing with. And um, I, I think um, Anybody who has a husband and wife at home, we're all going to see things differently. Debbie and I had, had times where we did, didn't agree on what should happen. So uh, let me, there's no easy answer on this one, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what Debbie and I did. And that is, um, you know, remember when I said you send Junior to the room uh, to, you know, I, like if Brookie or Joey did something, I'd say, go, go to your room and I'll, I'll be there in a little bit. And then Debbie and I would talk through and pray together. There's something about praying together. You, you, it, the Lord kind of syncs that up. Um, and then, and then we'd talk and, uh, and sometimes, uh, if it was a spankable offense, um, then, uh, and I felt that it really was, but Debbie maybe wouldn't, um, then we'd talk through it and pray through it. And here's the thing, you know, Ephesians five, before it says wives submit to your husbands, right before that, it says, submit yourselves one to another. Mm-hmm. And so there were times where I had to just submit and say, okay, I'm going to trust that Debbie knows what I shouldn't do here. <laughs> when I think it should be a spanking, you know, and it's not the end of the world if we don't spank. Uh, it really isn't. Um, but, you know, as long as you are together, I think that your, your children seeing the two of you being a team is going to do more than the actual spanking, honestly, long term. You know, um, just seeing you guys are unshakable, immovable. I, one thing that Debbie and I really tried to do was to not let our kids see division between us. We were a tag team. If you're messing with mom, you're totally messing with me. We're one and the same. Like that was, that was our mantra in our home. So, so that division, don't ever let the kiddos see that. Send them off to the room. Then you, then you pray through it and you talk through it and come to conclusion. And sometimes as guys, we need to acquiesce. Uh, to be a good leader sometimes is to be a guy saying, you know, honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to back off. I, I really thought this deserved a spanking, but because of what you're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, not do that this time, and we'll see how that goes and pray about it. Um, now, as time went on, uh, Debbie's like, spank him. It's like, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like we should, you know, I think sometimes it takes just a little time. Uh, and then, uh, but, uh, uh, and then I had to say, no, we could back off on this one a little bit. Uh, but uh, but that, that's, that's a great question. The key is uh, like-minded. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. That's what Paul said. So just work hard for that, Trav. I think that's kind of the big, the big one there. Way back there. 
Thanks, yeah. Tim. Yeah, Tim. Uh, so yeah, First Peter three seven there, where it's you know dwell with your wife in an understanding way, um, showing honor to your wife as the weaker vessel, um, since you're co-heirs together of the grace of life, lest your prayers be hindered. And um, you know, just even as I was kind of briefly talking about, it's it's knowing your wives, it's understanding your wives. And when I read that scripture, I don't think you know when the Lord sees me not dwelling with my wife, not treating her well, not not relating to her. I don't think the Lord's you know plugging his ears, going la la, I'm not listening to Gabe. Um, you know, um, well, you know, what I, the way I understand it is that, you know, James tells us there we have not because we ask not. Um, but then when we do ask, we ask amiss to spend on the pleasures of our own flesh. Um, and the marriage relationship is so unique, um, in such a way that it, you leave the, yourself in a sense, right? You're, the two become one flesh. Um, so, with that, you're willingly giving up your life. And that's what we're called to do as husbands, to lay our lives down, to, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And so if we choose not to, and this is a choice, to not dwell with our wives, to not understand our wives, the opposite happens. That is, we live for ourselves. So that even when we do pray, it hinders them. You know, the Lord convicted me of this probably, I don't know, uh, six, seven, eight years ago or so, I was, my wife and I just, I wasn't really listening to her. I really wasn't dwelling with her. And I was driving, you know, in the morning, I pray with her, you know, I grabbed her hand. And, you know, Lord, bless, bless Amber, bless the day. Help the kids just to be a joy. Help this house to be filled with joy. I got in my truck and I'm driving to work and First Peter 3, 7 popped into my mind. And I'm thinking, no, I'm, I understand my wife. I'm praying with my wife. That was, that was a good prayer, right, Lord? <laughs> um, and, uh, and he convicted my heart that going, no, uh, really probably what she prayed was, Lord, just take away the problem. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to hear her nag. I don't want to hear, I don't want to send, and I just go, and I was like, man, that's, that's right. And what I was praying, although sound pious and good and right, was totally a selfish prayer and not one that the Lord would answer because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't dealing with my wife. So, um, yeah, that First Peter 3, 7 is important, but ultimately it's our relationship with the Lord. That, that motivation of that is you don't want your prayers to be hindered. Man, if you're a Christian and you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, you don't, you don't want that. You don't want to be outside of the will of the Lord um, in that regard. So it is important. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, one thing that's kind of bouncing out of this today is uh, how important marriage is for your kids yeah. to do well. And that's a huge one. Um, and so stick with that, man. Stick with your marriage. Make sure that's solid first. Uh, but what does a guy like Tim do? You know, like, I love Tim. You're a good man. And, and I know you've got a daughter and it's, there's challenges, you know, with being a single dad. But um, that's where you let the Lord fill in the, the gap of the, you know, uh, of being divorced. Like Because I know a lot of guys, like you said, a lot of guys deal with that. So if you're here going all the stuff about marriage, you know, whatever, <laughs> uh, let the Lord fill in that other side because that's, that's what he's good at. That's good stuff. Uh, Gary, right back there. Yeah, man, that's a good word, Gary. It's, it's, um, it's hard for us guys, I think. And, and that's kind of what I was talking about, if I could go back and do something over, is affirming just what they're doing is really good. But yeah, it just doesn't come that, you know, naturally for us to be sort of, uh, I think some guys do better than, than others. When my kids were little, it was a lot easier because they're little kids and you can say, I love you and tickle them to death as they're going to bed and stuff, tucking them in. But then it's like when you get older, I think it starts, the kids get older, it starts to become stranger to a lot of us and um and uh, you you know the lord um tells us so much in his word how he loves us to be more like the lord um i mean you know you know how many worship songs we sing about how much i love you lord i love you i love you, I love you. but that's not the profound truth the profound truth is he loves me we need to sing jesus loves me this i know 
for the Bible tells me so. Like, that's a good song right there. Because how many songs leave that out, you know? But um, I, I would say focusing on being like the Lord who expresses his love to his children all the time. Ben, what would you say to that? Yeah, and I would add, too, that it's um, without conditions as well. So um, if I've just disciplined my kiddos. Good word. Or if they've, we've just gone through it with something, it's been heads budding. Um, I love you no matter what. It, it doesn't matter what you do to me. It doesn't matter what you say, um, the actions, but I'm going to love you no matter what, just like the Lord would say to us. I love that. I think that um, men miss an, a huge opportunity after discipline. The best time is right after whether the little guy's in a spanking or the, you know, the junior hire that's been on restriction or whatever. The best time is, is once that's, that's done and you can just scoop them up and love on them and, and take all that pressure off and, um, and know that everything's reset, everything's new. Like, that's the way it is with the Lord. You know, when, when we're bad, the Lord sometimes chastens us because he loves us, you know. But then, then afterwards, you just feel that love of the Lord. That's what we need to do as dads. Uh, we only have time for a couple more. How about right here? In the plaid, plaid shirt right here. Sorry, plaid shirt, yeah. Oh, is that Rocco? Okay. Amen. That's a good word. Um, boy, just those little things, you know, when you leave in the morning, I think a lot of guys, I'm kind of amazed at what men don't do. <laughs> and we have this huge opportunity when we leave, when we walk out the door, when we come home. How we, somebody back here, by, yeah, right here. Whew, that's a great question. If you didn't hear that, what are indicators that uh, might be telling us that, you're, that your kids are starting to drift or to kind of get off course of what we're trying to teach them? Um, do you guys, let's, let's, let's go for that up from the littler kids' perspective sure. first. Yeah, I mean, with the real little kids, it's, it's fairly obvious because they, they can't <laughs> hide stuff that well. Um, as my daughter's getting older, uh, the things when she starts to get a little more secretive, um, those are kind of indicators um, uh, that, that I notice. Uh, you know, even uh, things that she talks about, um, and even as you were talking about, Brett, like just we, we kind of, I, I probe, she, my, my family probably hates watching movies with me because I'm always asking questions. Uh, what, you know, what'd you think about that? Where did you, you know, uh, you can't go to the theater these days without seeing some dumb ad for something. And then I always have to talk to my kids. So um, uh, really, I'm always communicating and always probing and, and asking questions. Um, so it's just, it depends on their answer. Really, I kind of figure out where they're hmm. at. Little probing questions. Yeah. That's always a good thing. I did that too. What about you, Ben? Uh, I mean, I, I see even for myself, uh, lack of confession, lack of humility. Mm -hmm. um, those can be indicators as well that something's going on, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for, for me uh, um, was uh, you just start to see little attitudes, little actions, mm -hmm. little, and, and I'm not, and the thing is to not blow them off and say, oh, they're just going through a phase. Um, that's one of the big mistakes. That might be what you're actually asking the question about. Because I think a lot of guys, well, Junior's doing this, ah, whatever. You know, it'll, I'm sure he'll grow out of it. Don't be so sure. Um, I think um, that oftentimes it's, it's that whole illustration of when the ship just gets off by one degree. Um, as that goes down the road, you're going to be miles off course. And, and so um, I think um, I, for Debbie and I, it was us talking a lot saying, hey, you know, what, what do you think about um, so-and-so and what, the, what they were saying about this or doing about that? Or, um, and, and also, if you're not spending time, like I was talking about earlier with your kids, mm -hmm. 
you won't know what they're doing. You won't have any indicators because you're not around the kids. And um, if you're the dad that lets the kid come home and go straight to the room and close the door and, and then don't see them and, and then they get up early and leave for school and you're just not interacting, um, you won't have any indicators of how they're doing. That's where time, you got, the more time you spend with your kids, um, th- then you start to see those indicators. And don't just blow those off. That's, that's a huge uh, he was saying, I remember, what was it, the Freaky Friday movie where the mom, she's like, kick, 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 and the girls are in her room, and she's taking the door off of her of the bedroom. She's like, privacy is a privilege, and she takes the door, <laughs> door away. Uh, that, that's a good parenting thing. Not that you get your parenting skills from Freaky Friday, but, um, but that was one good moment. Know what your kids are doing. Uh, uh, okay, back here. Who's, I can't really see back there. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to answer that yeah. one. Um, no, no. <laughs> Do you see a strat? What's the strategy when you see behavior that um, um, that came from you in your kids? And boy, that happens all the time. Um, Joey um, was a guy that grew. I wish I gave you a mic um, because um, um, the way Joey, I'd see in, in Joey things, you know, my propensity sometimes, and I would just, and sometimes I think the way that I would handle that um, is Joey and I would sit down and I would say, Joey, one of the things I've struggled with is this, you know, and, and, I, and, um, and I would tell him my struggle. Um, and I think that there's something about parents being honest with their kids and saying, this is, this is my struggle and you've grown up seeing me do this. Um, and, uh, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, one, one that, uh, is, is hard for us guys is I think I'm talking to my wife with petunias coming out my ears. You know what I mean? I'm like, I've got this soft, kind voice and I'm speaking kind of, but I, I've got different modes. You know, if I'm, if I'm with you guys, I'm going to be more coarse and just kind of like, uh, you know, just tell it like it is and Hey, get, let's get this done and go do that. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'll, you know, but, but then when I get home, I need to talk with a whole different tone because my wife hears it with a different tone. And so I'd hear Joey talk to his mom in that same way. So I'd sit down with Joey and say, Joey, this is my struggle. I want to, when I talk to your mom, I want to talk with just the kindest spirit. And Joey, I need that from you too. And let's help each other. And, and when, when you, when I hear you, I'm going to, I'm going to check you on that. But when you hear me, I'd like you to check me on that and just, you know, we'll pull each other aside and hold each other accountable. Those kinds of things. I think admitting your problem, especially the older the kids get, that becomes kind of a, a key part. Is that answer that question? Right on. Man, we could go on for uh, a long time, but I know some of you guys have stuff to do and work uh, you have to get to and stuff like that. So um, what I'm going to do is uh, if you have further questions, we have uh, Gabe is here on staff uh, as a pastor. So he's got all the time in the world. He's got nothing to do. <laughs> uh, but he, he and our, our pastoral staff, you know, and, and Ben's one of the elders here at Athey. Um, you know, one of our elders... Any of our pastors, they're available to hook up with you for coffee. Uh, we'd love to hook up with you guys. And, and if you're, especially if you're dealing with some specific stuff, we would love to help you guys. One of the elders, one of the pastors. And these are a lot of our elders. We have older elders who've actually been through the whole process uh, all the way through college and into grandparenting uh, and stuff like that. We even have great grandparents. Um, so, um, man, uh, I look at Keith Dodson back over here. This is a guy that I would tap into. I would, I would want to hook up with him and talk to him about uh, you know, what, what he did with his kids. Uh, he's got quite a crew of boys, <laughs> but they're all solid, solid dudes. Like, uh, like I want my kids to turn out like his sons. Uh, I look, I always looked for the dads who I want my kids, his, their kids, 
the way they're turning out, that's why I want my kids to turn up. Those are the guys I would often tap into and say, what are you doing with that? And Keith's available. He's here uh, office, uh, on duty in the office uh, a lot of the days of the week. Uh, what day? Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Yeah. Uh, if you give him a call on a Tuesday here, and, and Keith's just here, uh, he'd, be, he'd be a great guy to tap into. And, and so many others uh, just for wisdom and stuff like that. But um, we, could, we could deal with this topic for a, a long time. Let me ask one more question. What are some topics in Ironworks that you guys would like to either A, further tackle? Because I know we've only scratched the surface on most of these topics. <clears throat> but what, what, are, what are some topics that we haven't covered um, that you would like to, uh, to, to kick around? Anybody? It's a whole new thing. The technology, the social media. Yeah, that's a good one. We need to tackle that one further. And uh, we've, we've brushed on it a couple times, but we could spend a whole time. Thanks, Matika. That's a good one. Um, Kuiper, are you writing these down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else? What are some other topics that you guys uh, would like to cover? How to deal with uh, and push back with the, what the world's pushing on our kids. You know, like the transgender thing at six years old now. They're putting in the public school curriculum. Like, how do we do that? That's a great one. Just maybe that'd be a topic. How do we, how do we push back a little bit, uh, especially in the raising of our kids? Okay. How to, how to uh, minister, service. Uh, that'd be good. Man, there's so many cool things happening with so many guys. The way I see, I wish I could get a bunch of guys telling of some of the neat things they're doing. We got a whole team of people right now in Baton Rouge uh, building and fixing houses that were destroyed in the floods and uh, with Samaritans First. Uh, my daughter's on that trip. She comes home, I think, today or tomorrow. Um, and, um, and, and a whole team of people. But like things that we can do just to serve, that'd, that'd be a good topic, service. Uh, yeah, Steve. Man, that's a good word. I think that that's probably one of the big problems of the fatherlessness thing I was talking about earlier is people have no idea what a relationship with the father is supposed to be like. So, so a lot of men are just really uncomfortable with the whole concept of God the father, which that's a problem. Uh, it's a good thing to know God as the father. So that, that could be a good topic. A couple more and then we'll pack it up. Uh, right back here. Boy, that'd be a fun one apologetics, you know, talking to a Muslim at work, what does that look like? Or defending the scriptures without using the Bible, like th those are some great, <laughs> that'd be some fun stuff to deal with. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. Um, okay, good. Uh, one more. Sven. Your, your, your walk with the Lord and business. How many guys have your own businesses? Raise your hand. Wow, that's a lot. So yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a fun one to kick around and talk about. Well, good, man. Uh, let me, let, let's all stand together and uh, man, let's just spend a minute praying and then I'll dismiss you guys. But let's pray just that the Lord will bless the, the fathers, the, the grandfathers, the future fathers in this group because um, we need it, man. We need prayer. Let's pray. Lord, you, uh, you are so good and you are the perfect father which is in heaven and your name is holy. I thank you, Lord, that we can uh, look to you for guidance, for wisdom. Um, Lord, we live in a culture, in a world that's so contrary. Lord, uh, maybe, maybe in, in, in the world's history, um, we're starting to reach one of the pinnacles, even like your word says, like in the last days, perilous times will come. We feel that, Lord. And as fathers, we feel that. And I pray that you would give us great wisdom to teach and train our families in the way that they should go. Um, Lord, I pray that we'd bring up our children in, um, in, in a way that would be pleasing to you. Um, where we've been lazy, Lord, I pray you'd forgive us and give us strength to step up. Where we've um, perhaps lacked vision, I pray that we'd write it down and, and, and come up with a game plan and then stick with it. Where, where we've been uh, 
bad as husbands and not really um, loving our wives as we should, which in turn hurts our children. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see our marriages flourish and be strong and blessed. Lord, help us to know when to stand and and to be strong and when to be uh, compassionate and nurturing, Lord. Give us those attributes that we don't possess, um, Lord, that are, that are so different and contrary to what we tend to be as guys. But Lord, I pray your blessing on my brothers. I pray that our kids would do really well and that they grow up in this godless culture that we are living in, Lord, where, where, where there's so many pressures and temptations, but may our kids just blow through all that and have a love in their heart that's really practical and real, that, Lord, it would be your goodness that would motivate them uh, to do what they do. Lord, help our kids' hearts to be set on you so that when the world tempts, that it wouldn't be uh, that which draws them in, but, but instead that they would be walking the straight and narrow path, Lord. So just bless our kids, bless our families, bless these guys, we pray, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time. You're dismissed.